Good morning. Eventful week this week, huh? Uh, the storm, Ian, in Florida, all kinds of craziness with that. I, I thought it would just be good to take a second and to pray for folks that are in Florida, people that we know that are there, people that we don't know, that, uh, that through the storm, that they would have an increased sense of dependence on God and that God would show up and, and meet their needs in really, really cool ways. Um, also want to let you know, we're not going to do anything formally here at North Point, but if you're a part of the DeWitt community page, there's a, a family that's here in DeWitt that's getting ready to head to Florida that um, is from down there that's going to take supplies. And if you're interested in connecting with them, I reached out to the lady uh, early this morning. She said, we're, we're happy to take water, take supplies, that kind of thing. And if you're interested in being a part of that, just let me know and, and we'll try and connect you with them. Let's, uh, let's pray. Uh, God, we look at the world and we don't, uh, there's, there's so much we don't understand. We see storms and devastation and death and all kinds of stuff. And we think, um, where are you in that process, God? And yet we know that you're right there on the ground, that you're, uh, that you're loving and protecting people. Um, God, that you've got a plan and that you want to show your power, um, Lord, we ask that you would bring comfort, that you would bring care, that you would bring um, safety to the people who are hurting. And God, most of all, that they would sense your presence, that they would be drawn to you at this time, that God, that, that they would sense that um, our life is not about stuff, but it's about our relationship with you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Hey, we are in week three of Experiencing God, I hope that you are enjoying the study. I hope that you're using the workbooks. We have some additional workbooks that are out at the Connect kiosk in the atrium. If you don't have one, we're, we start week three today, unit three. It's not too late to get going. I think we have 18 books left, and um, I would encourage you to do that, to do, um, to do one day, one, one day's work a day. Catch up that way just over some time. There's, there's uh, five five days of stuff to do each week, but so much good stuff in there. Um, we talked the first week about really this, this truth that you can experience God in your life today, that God is not just distant and separated from us, but, you, but we can experience God in our life in a way that, that, that for many of us, it's beyond anything that we can imagine. It's not something that we've experienced or envisioned before and, and that we can have that kind of experience. Last week, we talked about this concept that, that, that um, it's not about God's will for your life, but it's about God's will, about discerning God's will and living out God's will on a, on a daily basis. Today, we're talking about one real big concept, and that's that God loves you and that he pursues you with that love, he, that he comes after us over and over and over again with a love that's beyond anything that we can imagine. Um, God loves you unconditionally. He loves you personally. He loves you intensely. And it kind of brings to mind the words of the great theologian Tina Turner, right? <laughs> What's love got to do with it? Got to do with it. Is it just a secondhand emotion? Uh, yeah. What's love got to do with it? We, we, uh, we know that there's this God in heaven, and we know we're here on earth, but can God really love us 
personally? Uh, can, can, can we really have a relationship with him that transforms every aspect of our lives? We crave love, right? We're built for relationships. That's the way that we're designed. We pursue relationships with people here on earth. Um, in spite of their flaws, we want to love and we want to be loved. Even for those of us who are the crustiest, the ones that my wife calls porcupines, you know, they, they, as soon as you get close, they put out the barbs and push you away. Um, we want to be loved. We want to have that experience of, of knowing and being known and being loved by God. Um, Sensing, receiving, living in God's love matters a lot to each of us. Um, one of the truths that if you're working through the workbook that you, that you will contemplate this week is that my, it, it's, this is, Henry, Henry Blackby wrote it this way. My Christian life depends on the quality of my love relationship with God. My Christian life depends on the quality of my love relationship with God. If you, want, if you want to live as a, as a fully devoted follower of Jesus, it all comes down to whether or not we love God and sense his love for us. Uh, Paul wrote to the Philippians and really kind of gave us words to express that truth. If you've got your Bibles, turn to Philippians chapter 3. It's going to be on screen. If you've got it in the app, go there. But listen to, listen to the words of Paul, a man who was consumed by, by God's love. He says, everything that was gained to me, I considered to be a loss because of Christ. More than that, I also consider everything to be a loss in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. Because of him, I've suffered the loss of all things and consider them as dung so that I may gain Christ and be found in him. Not having righteousness of my own from the law, but one that is through faith in Christ. The righteousness from God based on faith. My goal is to know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings, being conformed to his death, assuming that I will somehow reach the resurrection from among the dead. Not that I have already reached the goal or am already perfect, but I make every effort to take hold of it because I also have been taken hold of by Christ Jesus. Brothers and sisters, I don't consider myself to have taken hold of it. One thing I do, forgetting what's behind, reaching forward to what's ahead, I pursue as my goal the prize by God's heavenly call in Christ Jesus. Paul said, I've got this, I've got this passion, this desire to know Jesus, to live in that love relationship on a daily basis. It's the one thing that matters. Everything else, he says, is done. Everything else gets blown away in storms. Everything else fades away as we get old. Everything else doesn't matter. It's only in knowing Jesus. We pursue a relationship with God based on love, not based on fear. It's not that we have the sense that, oh, God's up there ready to whack me when I get out of line, but because we love him and we know that he loves us. First uh, John, First uh, John, John 4 says, we love because God loved us first. His love is what causes us, what calls us to respond to him. Ephesians chapter one says this, for God chose us in him before the foundation of the world to be holy and blameless in love before him. He predestined us to be adopted as sons through Jesus Christ for himself according to the good pleasure of his will. 
understand that before we ever responded to God, God chose to love us. When we were sinners, Christ died for us. Even before we had any concept of who God was and what his love looked like or felt like, God loved us before we could respond. How, how do we respond to God's love? Uh, scripture, Jesus said, love God with all your heart, soul, and mind and strength. That's what it looks like to live that out on a daily basis, to love him with every aspect of who we are. I, I want to share two images this morning. That, um, today's message, really, it's a two-image kind of message. One is about the way that we love God, and, and the other is about how he loves us. And, and the way that we love God, I, I, as I was working this week and just trying to figure out how to communicate this, I thought it really kind of mirrors the way that we have relationships with other people around us. And it's what I would call the love flywheel. With each step of a flywheel, um, the momentum increases. Uh, um, we don't see a lot of flywheels, but let me kind of explain it in this way. On a flywheel, there are, there are different points that are there. And uh, um, when I was doing some reading on this, oftentimes in big machinery, um, in a flywheel, the different points of the flywheel may weigh as much as 4,400 pounds. And what happens is that on this place, there'll be a weight that's, that's placed that's 4,400 pounds. Getting the flywheel to move, if it's up at the very top or going over, it'll move and there'll be some momentum, but it'll just come around here and sink. You put another 4,400 pounds on this place and this place and this place and this place. So that it's equally balanced, it takes a lot of energy to get the flywheel to move. But once it begins to move, it holds kinetic energy inside it so that it continues to spin even without any outside pressure. That image is so important for us to understand in terms of what I want to communicate today. When, when there's balance on the flywheel, when there's weight on each of the points of the flywheel, it just continues to move and move and move. In any one of those areas, if you take that weight away, the flywheel will begin to spin down and, and slow and stop because it can't maintain its energy, its momentum, without that balance of those five areas. Um, here's, here's what I think makes sense in terms of this love flywheel, in, in terms of the five points. What's, what's love look like in a relationship? It starts, I think, with an appreciation and attraction. Um, if you think about a relationship with another person, there is that moment when there's some enchanted evening, right? When you look across the crowded room and you think, oh, that's a person that I want to get to know. There's this, there's this connection. You see them, you know, and you strike up a conversation. It may be online. It may be in person, whatever. And you think, that's a person that I want to get to know better. I, I want to have some kind of relationship with. That's the first point on the flywheel. The second point is that there is this sense of anticipation. If you think of, uh, back again, uh, maybe you're in this, uh, living in this world, maybe not. But, but when you start to date, you meet them and you think, I want to get to know them. And then you begin to anticipate. You begin to think, how is it that I can end up in the same place that they're going to be so that we can strike up a conversation, so that we can begin to have our lives come together? You know, back in high school, it's like, oh, I've got to learn their schedule so I can just happen to be by their locker at the right point in time. I can just happen to be outside the class that they come out of. I can just happen to be at the table that they're at at lunch, that kind of thing. Even as adults in dating relationships, we do that same kind of thing. We anticipate 
How, how can I make that connection? The third piece of the fly, the uh, third piece of the flywheel is time together. It, it, there really is the sense that as the relationship begins to move, as there begins to be some movement on that flywheel, that it really then begins to rely and rest on the time that we spend together with them. You can be attracted to someone. You can anticipate their schedule and, and, and spending time with them. But if you don't spend time with them, the relationship's never going to go anywhere. The flywheel's not going to move. Those three things are just going to end up down at the bottom with gravity. But the more time we spend with a person, the more we get to know them, the, the, the relationship begins to take off and begins to have some momentum. The, the, um, one, one of the... One of the best pieces of advice I've heard on dating happened a long, long time ago, um, and it was, it was this. If you're, if you're dating someone, spend a year with them before the relationship goes to, to a, a really deep level, because during that year, you'll begin to see them in the, diff, in the four seasons of life. You begin to see them in, in winter and spring and summer and fall, because the person that you see in summer may not be the person that you know in the winter. Only with time, only with time, do you begin to really grasp the, the sense of who they are. This is really, really fun to look out because some of you are saying, yeah, you were really different in spring than you were in summer or whatever it is. The, the fourth piece of the flywheel is vulnerability. As you spend time together, and you begin to become vulnerable with the other person. You share more of yourself, more of your past, more of who you are, more of your dreams, more of the stuff that makes you tick. And there is this sense, will you still like me? Will you still want to spend time with me if you know what's really going on inside of me? And then the last piece of the flywheel is it, it is this level of intimacy that happens in the communication in the, in the relationship. Vulnerability is when we share our stuff with somebody else. Intimacy, an intimate relationship, is, is when that is happening on both sides. When, when each person is sharing really what makes them tick, who their character is, what they're, what they're really like. The cool thing about the flywheel is once you begin to push it forward and you've got the, and you've got the weight on all five pieces of that, the wheel begins to spin. You exert a little bit more pressure. You spend some more time together, and it begins to move faster. You become a little bit more vulnerable, and it moves faster. You, you, you're attracted to them, and so you begin to do these. It just moves faster and faster. And, and the, the weight of those five pieces on the flywheel keep that, keep that relationship spinning. It keeps that love growing over and over again. Um, once... Once all five are there, the wheel begins to spin on its own. And I think it, it feeds each of the other steps. Um, let me clarify one thing about, about intimacy. I'm not talking about, I'm not really talking about sexual intimacy in that. I'm talking about an intimate relationship where there's give and take at the deepest level between two people. God designed sexual intimacy to happen in a marriage relationship. And I think for it to be the culmination of what's going on in the flywheel in the context of marriage. If a, if a relationship focuses solely on physical intimacy, the flywheel's not gonna spin. It's, it's, it's gonna peter out, it's gonna lose its momentum. If the, if, the, uh, if the flywheel focuses, if a relationship focuses only on anticipation but, the, but people are never together, it's, it's gonna lose its strength and drive. 
Only when all five of those things are working together does the relationship deepen and deepen and deepen. Um, I, I think that this love flywheel is a great image for us to grasp about our relationship with God. Not just with other people, but our relationship, our relationship with God. At some point in our lives, whether we're young or old, whether it's in a time of crisis or in a quiet moment, we come in contact with God. We may hear about him. We may see how he's working. We may encounter him almost supernaturally directly. And we're drawn to him. We have this appreciation for who God is. We look at the wonder of creation and we're drawn to him. We have this attraction. We, we recognize that there's this hole inside us that longs for God. And, and the relationship begins. It begins to be pushed just a little bit. And then as we begin to anticipate the opportunity that we might have to see God at work on, on a more regular basis, we maybe become connected at church. Maybe we come and worship together. Maybe we get connected in a small group and we anticipate that time that we'll spend together with God. We anticipate the time that we may pray and hear from him. Uh, and, and the relationship begins to move forward. And then we really begin to spend time. We don't just anticipate coming to worship. We really worship. We come in and don't, and don't just sit here, but we're singing to God. We're singing in the presence of God. When we come together as a life group, there is this sense of God is here. I'm hearing him speak to me in this context. When we read scripture, God speaks to us and challenges us and convicts us and calls us to change, to be like him. That time together begins to transform us and the wheel begins to spin. And in the context of that love relationship, that love flywheel with him, we begin to say, God, I'm a mess. I, I've got this stuff in my life that just doesn't honor you. We begin to be honest and to own our mistakes, to own our addictions, to own our, all of our problems, all the stuff that's happened before. And in that vulnerability, the wheel just starts to move more. And and then in our relationship with God, there, there comes this time where, where we're open before him. In that vulnerability step, you know, we're, we're talking about confession, a confession of sin. We're talking about um, repentance, saying, God, I've got to change. We're talking about baptism in, in, that, in that vulnerability place. And out of that, there comes this time of intimacy where we hear God speak to us, maybe not in an audible voice. But there is this clear sense that God says, this is who I am. Not that image that you thought you had of me, but this is who I am. And he's being open and honest with us. And we're being open and honest with him. And in that flywheel, as, as those pieces balance, it begins to sustain and to deepen our relationship with God in a way that we never anticipated. Because all of those things are happening in conjunction with each other. The cool thing about a flywheel is this. Once it begins to move, it takes lots of work to get it started, to begin to push it and get it going. But once it begins to move and you've got those weights that are balanced, that are working together, it begins to move a little bit faster. And with just a little bit more energy, it moves faster. 
with just a little bit more energy, it moves faster. And it begins to move faster and faster, and, and it sustains its energy. The flywheel continues to move even when outside energy is no longer put on it. That's the magic of the flywheel. Continues to spin and get great results um, even without external energy coming into it. Um, let, me, let me pause for a second and just say this. If you've ever felt like your relationship with God has grown, has grown stale, like the flywheel of your relationship with God is not spinning any, mo- any longer, that it's kind of slowed to a crawl, I think it's probably because you've neglected one of those five weights that's there. Maybe you're not spending time with him. Maybe you're not, you're not being vulnerable with God. Maybe it's you're not anticipating the time that you have with him. Then you think, oh yeah, I've got to go to church. It's Sunday morning. I've got to go to life group again. We've lost that sense of anticipation. Maybe it's just that we've stopped looking for God around us. We've stopped taking the time to look in creation, to look in other people's lives and see how God is working. Maybe it's that we've stopped listening for him to speak to us in that intimate relationship. Um, It's easy for us to get distracted, to lose those things. And so the flywheel maybe lurches forward. You know, you've got some pieces that are there, but it spins over. And then it spins over again, not smoothly, but it, it lurches until it eventually loses all of its energy. And you're at this place where you, where you think, God, I've lost my first love. I've, I've lost, I've, I've lost, I'm, in my mind, I just want, you've lost that love and feeling. Um, uh, you know, you've, you've, you've lost that sense of how much God loves you. And so in your head, you're saying, what's love got to do with it? Got to do with it. Um, here's some incredible news for you. When we push the flywheel, when we, when we give energy to the different five pieces of the flywheel, our push towards God, our, our relationship with him will begin to generate energy and, and strength and we'll, we'll begin to have that relationship with him. But here's the, here's the wonder of it all. God's love for you doesn't operate like a flywheel. It operates like a waterfall. God's love for you doesn't spin like a flywheel. It's more like a waterfall. A flywheel stores up energy that sustains motion with very little need for outside energy. But a waterfall creates energy that empowers motion. Two very different kinds of things. At the end of August, Deb and I went to Niagara Falls to celebrate our 41st wedding anniversary. Um, it's, I, I don't know the last time that you went to Niagara or not. It's an incredible thing to just sit and watch the water, to just watch the water come over the falls and see the beauty and the power of that. Niagara Falls are fed by the Niagara River, which is fed by water from the four great lakes, from Superior, from Michigan, from Huron, and from Lake Erie. From the waterfalls, from Niagara Falls, the water flows into the St. Lawrence, it flows into Lake Ontario and then into the St. Lawrence, St. Lawrence River. And ultimately, the water from the, the Niagara waterfall ends up in the Atlantic Ocean. A fifth of the world's fresh water goes from the Great Lakes into the Atlantic by way of Niagara Falls. Um, 
the, the power of, the, of Niagara Falls is almost limitless. In 1950, a treaty was signed between the U.S. and Canada to divert water from Niagara Falls to five hydroelectric um, power plants to supply power to that region of those two nations. Since then, since 1950, only about a quarter of the water that was going over Niagara Falls now goes over Niagara Falls. It slowed erosion immensely. But they diverted three quarters of the water, somewhere between 60 and 75% of the water that was going over the falls now goes to power plants instead. Um, think about if they stopped those power plants and all of the water that would go over Niagara Falls now that we could see what the power of that would be. If we could only fully absorb, fully experience the magnitude and depth of God's love for us, it would be amazing. We work with a flywheel on our end, but God's love for us, it really is the waterfall. Um, God loves us incredibly. Even in those pieces of the flywheel, though, there's, there's, there are elements that we can sense how great God's love is for us. Zephaniah 3 says this, it talks about, I think, how God appreciates us, how he is attracted to us. Zephaniah 3 says this, The Lord your God is among you, a warrior who saves. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He'll be, he will be quiet in his love. He will delight in you with singing. I love Zephaniah 3 because the image that, bring, that comes to mind is when my kids were little. Um, when, as a parent, um, Everybody likes different times. For me, when the kids were in bed and the house was quiet and I could go and stand by their door or look uh, just in and sit by their bed and watch them as they slept, it was an incredible thing. I, I, I just was filled with love for them, their innocence, the, all, all of the, the future that, um, that God had in store for them. That's the picture of God's love for us. He sings over us. With joy. Um, I, I, I think that just as God loves us, he, uh, as he's attracted to us, he anticipates us as well. I think that he looks forward to the time that we read his word. I think that God anticipates the time that we come together as a corporate body to worship him. I think he gets jazzed by what will happen when the power of the Holy Spirit comes into us, when our life groups, when our close friends come together and we sense God's love. Man, he anticipates spending eternity with us. Listen to what Jesus said in John 14. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you. If I go and prepare a place for you, I'm gonna come again and take you to myself so that you can be where I am. God anticipates, his love anticipates us being in relationship with him in person, face to face. One of the statements that you'll read in the workbook this week is this statement, God didn't create me for time, he created me for eternity. We think, we think in terms of hours, minutes, weeks, months, years. We think only in time. What, did, what happened to me in the past? What's gonna happen in the future? That's the way that we think about things. God didn't create us for time. He didn't create us simply for the life that we live here on earth. He created us for eternity. And he anticipates our presence with him in eternity. He loves us and longs for that. 
His love is that waterfall that just keeps going over and over and over again. Um, God's love, he wants time with us. You know, I was thinking through uh, scripturally what, where that comes from. And, and, and this, uh, it, scripture says it over and over again in lots of different ways. But from Matthew 11, Jesus said this. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. God wants us to be in his presence, to live in that love, to experience that. As God loves us, he shows us his heart. In that sense, he becomes vulnerable with us. He's not distant. God's not cold. God's not removed. He is with us, sharing his heart through his word. I, I love the picture that we find in Romans 8 about, about the vulnerability that God has with us, what he does in coming in and going to a place that we can't go to ourselves. Romans 8 says this, in the same way, the spirit also helps us in our weakness because we do not know what to pray for as we should, but the spirit himself intercedes for us with inexpressible groanings. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the spirit because he intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. When, when we don't know what to say, God makes himself vulnerable through the Holy Spirit to come and speak to him on our behalf. God steps into a place that we can't step into ourselves. God's love just keeps going. God loves us deeply from the core of who we are. One of my favorite scriptures is Psalm 139. Lord, you've searched me and known me. You know when I sit down, when I stand up. You understand my thoughts from far away. You observe my travels, my rest. You're aware of all my ways. Before a word is even on my tongue, you know all about it, Lord. You've encircled me. You've placed your hand on me. This wondrous knowledge is beyond me. It's lofty. I'm unable to reach it. For it was you who created my inward parts. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I will praise you because I have been remarkably and wondrously made. Your works are wondrous. I know this very well. My bones weren't hidden from you when I was made in secret, when I was formed in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw me when I was formless. All the days were written, all my days were written in your book and planned before a single one of them began. Do you have a sense of how great God's love is for you? He knows all about you. He knows all your stuff and he loves you. And that's a love that just continues to flow over and over again. God loves you desperately. No matter what you've done, no matter who you've hurt or how badly you've been hurt, no matter what's in your past, no matter if you've had good role models or if you've, uh, if you've made horrible decisions in your life, God loves you. You can accept that love or you can reject that love. But nothing can change God's heart for you. God's love is not dependent on our response. Here's the core of, of this week's unit and really the core of this morning's message. Romans chapter 8. Who can separate us from the love of Christ? Can affliction or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness, or danger, or sword? No, in all these things, we're more than conquerors through him 
who loved us. For I'm persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God that's in Christ Jesus our Lord. Do you sense the waterfall of God's love that just continues to wash over us day after day after day? God's love is real. No matter what you've done in your past, his love is real. It's not dependent upon anything that you do in the present. God loves you. How do you respond to that love? By loving him in return, by living out on our end, the end that, that flywheel, by incorporating that into our relationship with him. Nothing could separate us from the love of, of Christ. Um, I want to tell one quick story that I, I that um, it's just real in my life. Last weekend, um, Deb and I were supposed to go to Cincinnati to be with good friends that we've had for about 40 years. Our plan was that we would drive to Cincinnati on Thursday, spend a couple of days with them, um, that Terry, my friend, and I would go to the Ohio State game in Columbus, would spend the night together all in Columbus, uh, and then head home last Sunday. Um, Deb got sick, and so our, our Thursday trip moved to Friday, and then Friday she went to the doctor, and, um, and so we said, you know what, I'm just going go to go to the game with Terry when we get there. But here's what happened Friday. This is why I want to tell the story. Um, Deb had doctor's appointment, and so, uh, so I got up with her. She went to the doctor's appointment, came back. Um, I, I actually zoomed into the doctor's appointment because I couldn't be in there with her. She came back, and, um, and, and she had to have some more tests done. Every, everything's fine with Deb. Just, that's the end of the story that I'll get to in a second. But um, she came back had to have some tests, and she said, would you want to go to Burger King for lunch with me? And I said, sure, let's, we're living high on the hog, right? So we go to Burger King for lunch, have lunch, take her to the test, we go through the test, do, do that down at Sparrow, tests take a really long time, we sit in the parking lot waiting for the next test, um, uh, we had a car wreck, so we began to look for cars while we're sitting in the parking lot together, just, just hanging out, trying to figure out where we're going to go. Um, we, I take her to the place where she's supposed to get the next test. It didn't happen. At that point in time, she's got a test later in the night, and, and we're trying to figure out what to do. So I said, would you want to go to P.F. Chang with me for dinner tonight? Because um, I'm going high on the hog, right? So we go to P.F. Chang, um, go from P.F. Chang to, uh, to look at a car. That car didn't work out. We went to another place, looked at another car, test drove another car, um, ended up buying a car. Then it's time for Deb's last test at 8 o'clock at night. Um, she goes to the test, come home. All of that to say this, our plan was that we were going to go spend time with Terry and Shirley and spend the day on Friday. Deb came home on Friday night. Actually, it was on Saturday. She said to me, you have no idea how special today was. I said, it was a really good day. We bought a car. You know, <laughs> we went out to eat twice. She said, no, you don't have any idea how significant it was because we just spent the entire day together, just hanging out, talking. We haven't done that in a long time, but just the two of us. Um, God's love for us thrives in the time that we spend with him. Uh, it grows. That flywheel begins to move 
as we are drawn to him, as we're attracted to him, as we anticipate what he's going to do, as we begin to spend time together, as we become vulnerable and there's intimacy that happens in that relationship, God's love just keeps washing over us and we keep loving him in return. You know, that gets expressed in really cool ways. I, t- I talked a little bit about baptism. At the end of second service today, Ron Slater is going to be baptized. And I, I just want you to hear him tell his story, invite you back to the end of the service for his baptism at the end of, of second service. Take a look on screen. I'm Ron Slater, and I became a member of North Point Church in 2006 after my little sister passed away. Why do I feel the strength now to speak freely about my faith in God and Christ? It has a lot to do with my life flashing before my eyes. About a month ago, I had a seizure in my apartment, and I was rushed to the hospital, and I spent eight days there. My kidneys shut down, and I was told I needed a new aortic valve right away. With my life flashing before my eyes, it reminded me of so many times I felt God's presence in my life. And now I feel that it's time to come forward and spread that message. Whether it have been the birth of my children, I don't know how anybody couldn't have felt God's presence when they see the birth of your children. Nothing is more precious than seeing the birth of a child. I worked in Department of Corrections for 20 years while I was raising the children, while we were raising the children. I ran housing units and maximum security prisons and lower security prisons. I, I risked my life several times to save people that some wouldn't spend time saving, but I never actually thought about what I was doing when I was doing it, and I just did it. God has always been with me because there are many a times where I shouldn't have walked out of there. I'm so thankful today and no matter what happens when I run into an ex-inmate out in the streets or, or wherever I'm at in downtown Detroit or I'm tubing down a river up north, it's always pleas- pleasurable and they're always happy to see me and that's a very good reward. And the only reason I had strength to do that stuff was because of God and Christ working through me. A year ago, I got a call from a hospital in Seattle, and I haven't seen my mom in 10 years, and they were not doing well. When I received this call, it was very shocking, and I didn't know really how to handle it. When I walked into the to the hospital room, I couldn't tell which lady was my mom, and it was very hard on me. And I took my mask off, because this was during COVID, and I, I could tell right away that that was my mother. And she was elated to see me and cried for 20 minutes. And to say that I didn't feel God's overwhelming presence that day is an understatement. Now, not only was this a good experience, it, it, it strengthened my mother to get out of the hospital bed. And we were able to, to, able to walk to this hospital that side of the hospital where it was nothing but blissful mountains. And I got to spend the next three days with my mother. I can't tell you how, how great of a feeling it was to experience that. And God gave me the greatest moment I've ever had with my mother. I'm very thankful for that. 
making this video is not easy here either. And if it wasn't for God and Christ running through me right now, I wouldn't be able to do it. And then this is why I encourage you all to find God and let God work through you. He didn't sacrifice his only son for us to sit around and dwell in our miseries. It's also important to remember that Christ didn't seek out the believers. He seeked out the non-believers. So remember that. Thank you for your time. God bless you. Here's, here's what I want you to walk away with. Um, God's love flows like a waterfall, washes over us. I, all we can do is respond back to him and love him in return to give him ourselves because his love will sustain us.